Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And this is your weekly Overcrest Rewind. Go through some news for you guys. And of course, get our commentary. Of course, you can get a little bit of our commentary as well. Buster Conrad's calling in. Conrad, Chris. Calling Conrad. Into the, <laughs> calling into the podcast a little bit later. Um, do you have anything going on? Did you do anything with your car? Did you do any I stuff? I do. Before we talk about that, I have an announcement to make. All right. What have we, we got? We have a new sponsor that's going to be headlining our news segments here, Omaze. So... What or who is Omaze? Omaze is a fundraising platform that offers once-in-a-lifetime experiences, including dreamworthy cars. So far, they've raised over $130 million for charities around the world. Have you done anything with Omaze before? I have. I've entered I have too. So like, like one or two things. Here, I'm like, oh, exactly. man. It'd be it's really, really nice cool. to own that Porsche or that whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. So right now, Omaze is giving away a fully restored 1968 Bullet Mustang. So this 600-horsepower Mustang was actually built by Richard Rawlings and the Gas Monkey Garage guys sure. as a tribute to the iconic car Steve McQueen drove in the movie Bullet. And Chris, I got to tell you, I really like this thing. Okay, It's got the original 390 big block engine, four-speed manual, and of course the classic torque thrust, thrust wheels and the sure. green paint. Sure. Yeah. And Omez even covers, they, they think of everything, they cover the shipping and taxes. So if you win this thing, you don't it's have to yours. spend a dime. It's just yours. Yeah. And the best part is I that need every... Own, at some point in my life, I need to own a muscle car. Agreed. I just need to. I need to just shift into second gear out of first, hit the gas, and have the t front of the car come up where I can't. <laughs> just not. I don't need to come off the ground or anything. But, but just I need have to have that, it come up a little squat. bit yeah. where I don't see the road. I need. I need that. Yeah. yeah. So the best part uh, is that I mean. Every donation goes to support Gas Monkey Garage Foundation, which supports causes like empowering veterans and supporting Alzheimer's research. So head over to omaze.com slash overcrest to check it out. And with a donation of 10 bucks, you're entered to win. That's omaze.com slash overcrest. Also, be sure to use the code overcrest50 to get 50 bonus entries. So you get a little bonus yeah, as well. Yeah, so you, when you, you put the money in, you get a bunch of tickets. So it's all about your entries and, the, exactly. and your chance so to win. They explained this to me because I didn't know much about it. For 10 bucks, I think you get like 100 entries. And yeah. so if you use our code, you get, you get an more. additional 50. I like it. I like it a lot. Awesome. So thanks to Omaze. Yeah. So as far as what's been going on with me, I have been in winterizing mode here. So does that mean? That means, well, not uh, automotive podcast worthy, but like blowing out my sprinkler system. Okay. And also my matter. neighbor's sprinkler yeah. system. What, what do you do anything to your cars? Do you do anything to your... Like, uh, what do you do? I, you put I a little stable in there? I put some stable in the gas tank. Run it out. I winterized the boat. Put some extra air pressure in the tires? Uh, yeah, I just you know, swapped out the winter tires, so I did that, of course. Well, I met with your 911. You didn't put I didn't one. do anything, really. Did you take the battery out? No. No? I that, just have a disconnect. Okay, you have a disconnect for it. Right. Okay, I was going to say, you got to take that little battery out of there. That thing's going to be flatter than a snake by the nah. time you get into the spring. Flatter than the snake? Yeah, those are pretty flat, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> what a pancake, <laughs> the traditional reference to something flat. Yeah, well, that's no fun. All right, so what about you? You been doing anything? I actually went into the garage today and looked at my car and went, Nope, I'm not going to. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to start this today. So here's the thing: is I talked to Aaron, uh, who runs Flat Six here in Minneapolis. He's kind of my, right. oh my god, what do I do type of guy. I'm like, so I go, <laughs> we were hanging out on Friday night. I go, hey, I go, hey, I'm really scared to put this jig on my car. What happens if I bolt this jig up and it doesn't fit? Right. And he goes, 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, that probably Basically, what happen. you need is you need to put it on a sled at that point. But, you know, what he did say is, <laughs> if you, know you want to do it right, if you want to do it right, but what a lot of guys will do that don't have access to this mm-hmm. is they'll put the jig on. Because mm-hmm. my, my car drives straight right now. Right. I can align my car right now. Yeah. It's not a big deal. He says, you put the jig on the steering rack, and then you put the suspension on the car, and then you put the front pan in, and you bolt all the suspension up, and then... Go get an alignment. <laughs> no, no, no. And then you... Weld the pan in where the suspension. Then, then it's oh. in the. It's basically in the same place it is now. Sure, but I gotta. So there's the front. I con- think that makes There's the sense. front control arm mounting points and there's the rear control arm mounting points. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming my front ones are probably bent because I can see like a crinkle in the front pan up there. Like oh, I can just see like a. Well, it's just it's very slight. So I'm okay. guessing it's going to be off a little on the front on the front driver crinkle side. makes me think significant uh a w- should i say wave there's a little bit of a wave in, in the metal yeah sure. just a little All bit right, of a, that makes sense. a hump like it's, it's not, not like serious. a tin can that's split in yeah half. it's not like you stepped on a pop can and that's the that's the end of it okay so that's kind of where i'm at i went and looked at the car for a minute that's about <laughs> that's it that's good yeah that's as that's as far as I've so gotten. we are just wrapping up sema just ended this week yep so we have some sema news do we yeah, we have a couple of things. We for do? SEMA. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but moreover, we have some more important stuff that you have selected for us. Yeah, so, this so let's is get a, right into it. This is a really great story. So Road and Track has revealed their car of the year. Okay. Now, I'm not just going to go through and read the Road and Track article. It's really long. You should go read it yourself because it's really, really interesting, the perspective that they have in this, which is a unique perspective that they don't always have. Okay. Um, so you remember what I said last week. You may not remember, but I'm no, going to play refresh it for my you because you don't. All right. This is uh, me last week predicting the future. I find it difficult to be blind to the fact that Mazda is doing everything they can to keep a driver's car on the market. Yes. And Hyundai is too. And I find it so strange that you have someone like uh, Mazda and you have Hyundai and you have these, um, you know, Eastern countries that are doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. But the Germans are just blowing it. Just I mean, yeah. other than Porsche, which we'll talk about later, everybody's blowing it. Yeah, no. Not even, M5, Audi doesn't offer them. No manual in an M5. No. No manual in any Audis. Uh, most Volkswagens, I guess you could probably still get a manual in a Golf, but we don't even get a Golf anymore. Right. So it's just, it seems like everything, the companies that I used to love are just nope. g- giving up and just rolling over. So, okay, we're back live. Um, so the the Road and Track Car of the Year was an interesting choice, needless to say. before you reveal it, you need to say the lineup. Do you say oh, yeah, basically ahead. what they're choosing between? I didn't, but go ahead. So I, I'm not. I'm just looking at the photo that here they have on the cover. They have the new C8 Corvette, which is the mid-engine one. They have a yep. 911, of course. Can they that even a, be car of the year, considering it might not even come out next year? Well, we'll talk about that later. Oh, you know, it'll be late in the year. Yeah, they have a the McLaren. Cor- they have a Lotus. A they new have, 911? Yep, new 911, as I said. The Mazda Miata RF is in there. The BMW Supra. something. The Supra. The GTR. Lamborghini. Some Lexus. Some Lexus. Lamborghini. So out of all that, and then what did they elect? And then there's the 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 is that an M2 competition or something? Yeah, some BMW. BMW. And then there's the Hyundai Velocitor N right. uh, thing in the back as well. So I'm going to read a little bit. This is just to get you an idea of what they think sure. about when they choose their car of the year. And then we'll go into the car and you can let me know if you think that it deserves it. Okay. Um, crowning the road and track performance car of the year is not an easy task. Each fall, we gather every newer revised performance car that we can get our hands on. While some of these candidates naturally warm into our hearts, this is more than a popularity contest. The award doesn't simply go to the machine we like the most or the one we think is the coolest. 
the Porsche, uh, the uh, the Porsche. I was trying to read this acronym acronym right here. What is uh, the, the car of the year is about looking to the future and finding the car that provides the most hope of, for the enthusiast, a machine mm. that offers everything you expect of a modern vehicle yet still tugs at your heart. The performance car of the year must work well on a track, but it can't be a one trick pony. Excellent apex behavior must give way to on road competence. So it's a compromise, right? right it's got to be a compromise. Sure. Um, and most of all, the car of the year war- winner has to use its technology in service of driver emotion, not just loftier speed. Because there are a lot of cars that are out there that are faster, but right. they definitely don't make you feel anything. Yes. Which I, I like it. Yeah. So Tesla. automakers are increasingly <laughs> occupied with deleting humanity from the automotive experience. Uh-huh. And these days, speed is easy. Yep. The harder job is building a car worth driving. I like that. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, it was it was interesting to hear that perspective because a lot of times you don't really see this. It's like, oh, the Porsche wins or it's the usually wins. by the numbers. Yeah, you go, oh, this is zero to sixty time. This is a really enigmatic approach to the to the car of the year, which is why well, I which think, is why it's in. That's why I'm reading it anyway. Right. That's why it's noteworthy. So the winning car does not even have close to the most horsepower. Not even close to the fastest lap time. Not even close to the pedigree or history of some of the larger marks. The car was outgunned and outclassed by nearly every single car in the test. And the car of the year is the 2020 Hyundai Velocitor N. Wow. A Hyundai hatchback ever over some of the most significant supercars of the area, era, over the second coming of the Toyota Supra, an all-new Porsche 911, and the new mid-engine Corvette. Popular, uh, politics and popular yeah, opinion. Yeah, okay, hold on. Pause there. Because yeah. think about all of those new releases this year. Yeah. Brand new 911. Well, nobody likes the Supra, which I... No, I, but it's a brand new thing. Like, just taking it by the headlines, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, so they say that it wasn't the convenient answer. Basically, it's... The truth is simple. The 2020 Hyundai Veloster N is a greater celebration of the philosophies we treasure than any other new vehicle. That's really cool. So, like I said last week... Asia's getting it right. The Germans are getting it wrong. Not yeah. like not like horribly wrong. It's not like they're driving the ship aground yet. No, right? But, but I think to to rephrase, there's more than just the pursuit of utmost performance. Right. It's really about driver interaction. For me, the best new cars are ones that you forget what you're driving. For okay. new cars. For old cars, I like things that have heritage, prestige, you know, they character. they sound a certain way, they have character, right. they they've got stories. With a new car, it doesn't have the stories yet. It hasn't earned that reputation. So you have to look at other things. So okay. then you look at how it makes you feel. You maybe you, you know, you forget that you're even driving it and you know, we'll have to go grab one of these and give it a go, I think. For sure. You know, maybe yeah. we can head over. And that's a good thing is you could go over to a Hyundai dealership. They're going to be like, yeah, sure. It's not like going over to a McLaren dealership and trying right. to get like the, you know, a Center they're... or something like that where they're like, get out of here. Yeah. Um, so next. Okay. Well, actually, let me, do you agree with the philosophies here? I mean, are you on board I do. With I really this? like it. And I think it's kind of we're seeing a shift, right? Because as they said, speed is easy. You're, and you and I, are you though? The thing. Are you seeing a shift? Are you? I think so. Between you and I, of course. Between and the road and track. Between the journalists over at Road and Track, of course. Yeah. But Bob and Joe that are, you know, getting coffee with their friends at McDonald's. How about this? In the I morning. think this is an indicator we will be seeing a shift. So do you think that the journalists and the content creators like us and everybody else have enough influence to move the needle to the point where these cars No, but we're precursors. We're the bellwether that'll say at some point anyone that gives a crap about driving at all will not look at the performance figures the zero to 60 times i think i think because of course there's a subset that 
more and more that are basically just looking at cars as uh, an appliance. Yeah. Right. We know that. Exactly. But those that do have an interest, I think it is going to be more about the driving experience, the heritage, looking at how a car makes you feel. Of course, you're not. Of course, you're not wrong. But the only thing is, is that that other the the, the dishwasher people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are now the majority. They are the vast, incredible, overwhelming vast majority. Vast majority. Um, did you the watch dishwasher uh, <laughs> people? Can we coin that term? Now? We did. It is okay, the dishwasher like people. So did you see that? Uh, side note, James May bought a car. Did you watch that on Drive Tribe? <laughs> no. He bought a car and it's a Tesla Model S. Okay. And he said what I've been saying for a year, which is wake up, guys. You've got to embrace this if you still want to do that. So you got to embrace stuff like the Tesla Model S. Okay. If you want to be able to drive my 911 or anything else you have to get with the times so um speaking of the tesla model s tesla has smoked the tycon on the nurburgring really yeah with their plaid so mode we thought the tycon was the record holder right yeah. i mean it was like tycon. A couple weeks yep um, a blue model s was one of the two prototypes that could be seen lapping the track over the last several weeks right. they were still at it i thought they were done but they now, just is this the one with the tinted windows and the full roll cage and the stripped out interior I don't really know. Sources okay. indicate that the second red painted prototype, they're both prototypes. Sure. So yes. Um, it was involved <laughs> in an accident in late October and has not been spotted since. Okay. A report by Auto Motor und Sport reveals that, and I couldn't read any of it because it's all in German. Okay. Uh, reveals that the Tesla may have had a faster lap under its belt than originally anticipated. According to the report, Tesla driver Thomas Much was able to pilot the hotted up Model S around the Nürburgring in an unofficial seven minutes and 13 seconds, not once, but twice, which is good for consistency. This undercuts Tesla's previous attempts, as recorded by the same publication, by a respectable 10 seconds and Porsche's 742.34 record by nearly half a minute. Jeez. To be clear... This is not a production car. True. Okay, so they can run those motors hard. They can just destroy those batteries. It doesn't matter. True. The thing doesn't have to last. They can True. Just, they can just be like, all right, what's the what's the plaid squared mode? You know, they can <laughs> whatever whatever they have. Um, so their sources indicate that Tesla has packed up for the year and will not be back until 2020. The publication also notes that Tesla has loaded all its technical equipment, including a mobile supercharger, to hit the road. So they're done. That's it. Oh. They got all the information they need, which means that I think that you'll probably see what all the stuff that they researched and did probably come out in as a software update and something in 2020. That makes sense. I would think. I Either that, that or they're going to have a, you know, a 100D super plaid, whatever. Sure. And, you know, for them, I, here's the thing. So when, um, do you have to crash test? Like if you have a, a three series. Right. And then you come out with an M3. Do you also have to crash the M3 because it has a ton of different I things? think it's depends. I, there has to be like a, a I don't know. Okay, I don't know. We, there has to be a, a rule of thumb as far as like how, this many components that are different or everything else. A lot of this is just software. Right. So they may. So maybe it will be released next they month. They may be able to do whatever they want. What if you're sitting in your Tesla? And we're going to get to the, because BMW is doing something like this. We're going to okay. get to this later. What if you're sitting in your Tesla at a stoplight and there's a little thing that pops up on your, your giant like uh, television, 45 inch television that's in the <laughs> middle of the car and it just goes ding for $3,000 you can gain this much power. Would you like to pay with PayPal or whatever? And you just right. go, yes, I would like to do that. And then all of a sudden your car is faster than a Taycan. Just, just with a software update. Do you think it does comes down to software? Uh, a lot of it probably does. Uh, especially wow. with this car, I think it probably does. But who knows? It's probably pretty bad for the car is my guess. 
I don't think it's probably very good for it to run them this hard. I think you'll see things back Longevity. off in a, in a production car. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I've been waiting for this vehicle for a while. I have too. Um, the Ford Bronco yeah. is starting to become, it's in the news, things are starting yep. to happen, and they have a race prototype that yes. they came out with. Have you seen it? Yeah, so this is like a trophy truck, like basically right uh you know fiberglass carbon fiber body over a tube frame chassis right so this year marks 50 years since rod hall and larry miners overall win in a bronco back in 69 now the the baja 1000 is what they're talking about Mm -hmm. started in like 67 or something like that which i mentioned is on my like would love to do driving list would love to go do it um some sources claim hall's 69 one was the only time a four-wheel drive vehicle has ever taken the overall win in the baja 1000 uh, Rod Hall, legendary off-road driver, drove in every single National Off-Road Racing Association and SCORE, which is they run the Baja, mm-hmm. race up until 2018. Wow. 50 years this guy raced every, every single race. Via Ford. Bronco's win at Baja in 1969 was epic, something that even after 50 years has not been repeated, said Hao Tai Tang, Ford Chief Pro- Pro- Product Development and Purchasing Officer. Rugged endurance racing is such a big part of the Bronco heritage. The the Baja 1000 gives us not only the perfect setting to honor Rod Hall's win, it also provides an authentic test bed to demonstrate our upcoming Bronco's desert racing capability and durability. To that end, the Bronco R one-off carries a few styling cues for the next-gen SUV, though we suspect the lightweight composite body and cut roof design might live solely for this racer. Yeah, you think? (laughs) (laughs) As I said, it's literally just like fiberglass panels on a tube frame. Indeed, the R prototype, built in collaboration between Ford Performance, Geyser Brothers Design, and Baja champ Cameron Steele, sits wide, gets long-travel Fox Racing suspension, lots of aero, 15 LED light bars. 15! (laughs) <laughs> you got a guy in front of you. You can just light him on fire if he's in your way. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or if you need, you know, if you get stranded and you need to make a fire to, to stay warm. You yeah, go, you just put a piece of paper in front of your light bars. That or you just sit on the hood and get blasted. <laughs> and a uh, very race-focused interior featuring off-road racing shells from a car. Hidden behind an innocuous security door in a Ford studio basement, a small team led by Paul Wraith, Bronco chief designer, uh, worked since July to make the race prototype unmistakably Bronco at first sight, which it is. Yeah. For sure. The team worked in a secret, in secret, to create a one-off build that hints at the all-new Bronco to come, while paying homage to the first-generation Bronco styling and proportions that made the nameplate an instant off-road icon a half a century ago. And then we all know it was all downhill from there for the Bronco. Um, the, the team focused on creating a race-ready look with an overall heritage-inspired design language. With its compressed body height and long-travel suspension, the Bronco R features an ultra-wide stance, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. So, um, oh. This is important. The prototype's lightweight composite body includes a clamshell hood and roof, as well as clean body panels that harken back to the first-generation Bronco models. A cut roof design allows rear seat passengers to use a second-row hatch for access. Yeah. Yes. You can climb in the top and slide in a hatch from the top. That's pretty rad. Or if you crash. Or are they just talking the rear hatch? No, I hope it's... I oh, think they're no. just talking. I was thinking like if no. you rolled over, you could climb through the roof. No, I'm pretty sure they're talking the rear hatch. Or if you had like you a would get into machine the old gun, ones. you could pop out of the no. hatch. No, because no, the old ones, the front seats, I don't think did the like, you know, full flip forward thing. So rear passengers would basically just climb over through the hatch. Uh, okay, so this is built on the Ford T6, which I think is the Ford Ranger architecture. Okay. And it's got a twin turbo EcoBoost engine that is actually in the production truck that we're going to see. Yeah, I'm sure it's their EcoBoost V6. So did you go back and look at like the 80s or 90s Broncos? Oh, I love those things. They're yeah, awful. I know those things. They're awful. What? It's basically an F-150 that looks dumb. No! It 100% is. 
It, you are so wrong, sir. That is awful. such an iconic design. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. They're not what unique. What are you talking about? They look like a slight variation of an F-150. No. 100% they do. They're so much shorter than an F-150. They look like a slight variation. They're stubby. I, right? Are They're, you talking about the Bronco 2? I'm talking about the, the Bronco 80s and 90s both. And there was the Bronco 2. Neither one did anything for me in the 80s and 90s. The third and fourth generation okay, Broncos. What were about in. the 70s Broncos? Well, of course, those are awesome. You okay. Know? So the 60s and 70s were a great time for the Bronco. It's, you know, it's fine so to share chassis. So you're talking the O.J. Simpson Bronco doesn't do it for you. No. I no, guess no, no. it kind of can't get behind not. that. Um, the, the 70s original Bronco, though. You want to know the bad news? The production one will be nothing like this, and it will be all downhill well, from here. Of course, it's not going to be a full race like trophy truck. Yeah. No, it'll look like that, though. I'm excited for it. So I just want to confirm something we talked about earlier. The mid-engine okay. C8 Corvette production has been postponed until February of 2020. That's still only like four months away. Yeah, but it's next year. It's a big deal. If they were supposed to be delivering cars now, basically, oh. in 2019. So when Chevy first announced the long-awaited mid-engine CA Corvette, it said the car would be arriving in customers', customers hands by the end of 2019. Oh. Well, that's no longer the case. A de- delay is, is a, the delay is a result of several factors. A six-week UAW strike meant the mm-hmm. end of the last-gen C7's production would be pushed back until next week. The Bowling Green assembly plant also needs additional time to retool its facilities, as well as hire and train a second ship. Right, because so, as we talked about with that strike, they weren't done making C7 Corvettes. Right. So speaking of the Corvette, though, it has this new engine right. that we know the power figures of, but I want to know what the deal is with this engine. What makes right. it better than every other short block? Or, right. So know. I kind of dug in. So first off, this new engine is called the LT2 and is still a pushrod activated Chevy LT2 small LT2 is block. not a new, new nomenclature, is it? Yes. LT1 was the outgoing. Okay. So LT1, that's what I had in my boat. I had a marinized that's LT1. That's the old LT1. Right. Then they brought back the nomenclature for the uh, C7 Corvette. It's okay. an LT1. Okay. I yeah. just, it was cool. It was a boat with the Corvette flags on the Valkyries. Yeah. It was neat. For sure. No, so this is called the LT2. And what I said, though, it's still a push rod valve train Chevy small block, as it's always been, which I thought was kind of odd because this is the mid-engine. I thought, here's my point. If you're going to change anything on the Corvette for like higher performance, anything else, why won't you get rid of the antiquated push rod? Because engine? it's reliable. It is for for every general dude that, that that's going to drive this. It's reliable. I do like the heritage of it. It like, is it's screw they just modern don't. overhead cam. Have you ever seen what the uh, the Chevy 1500s that are driving around Minnesota look like? <laughs> they are turning to dust before your very eyes. And you know but what? That what? engine still they goes. run awesome. <laughs> right. And plus, it's you know that's what everybody thinks is cool because you can take that motor up, put it in everything, make a ton of power for five dollars, and that's what everybody wants. True. And that's that's I think that's probably why they did it. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the outgoing it's their engine. Calling card. It's the calling card of the. It Corvette. really is. You're right. So the outgoing engine of the standard front engine. Corvette, the C7 was called the LT1. And I say the standard because the ZR1, the like super high-end supercharged one, yep. was some other engine, the something nine, maybe LT9. LS9? Maybe. Someone's going to tell us we're done. That's fine. Uh, the first difference with this new engine is the intake manifold. So with its front engine predecessor, the height of the overall engine was basically limited by the height of the hood, which when you think of a Corvette, it is actually a very low hood. Sure. 
The, uh, the new LT2, then, on the other hand, has more room to work with since it's in the rear. Right. So the intake manifold doesn't have to sacrifice space or height in the name of you know efficiency. So you can have more intake. Right. So to that end, the new intake manifold has a volume of 14.1 liters compared to 11 liters in the C7's LT1. That's so almost... That's a... It's a big jump. 30, 40% increase. Somewhere. That's, That's three more Nalgene's worth of intake, Chris. <laughs> okay. And where the LT1 has shorter intake runners on the rear two cylinders to make room for the engine-mounted fuel pumps, the LT2 has equal length runners on all cylinders, which, again, is much more efficient. Right. That's what you want. The new engine also has different exhaust system, as you may expect, seeing as how it sits in the rear. And the, so basically the exhaust is like four feet shorter. <laughs> right. But one of the key performance differences is the catalytic converters are moved up closer to the exhaust manifolds, which allows for better emissions, which you and I may not think we would care about. But what this allows for the exhaust cam profiles to be taller and flow better since there's less compromise for emission. Sure. So that's another way they're getting more power. In addition, the new LT2 has a dry sump lubrication system, something that was previously only available on like the ZR1 and I think the Z06 maybe, but now as standard, all Corvettes have dry sump. Uh, otherwise, the engine really is more similar to previous small blocks than it is different. It's kind of interesting. Now, so this, the regular motor does not have the flat plane crank. No. So the flat plane crank engine found in this C8R race car is assumedly much, much different. Right. And keep in mind that Chevy said they need to make at least 300 examples of that engine to be homologized. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that later when it becomes available. Do you want to read the headline of this next article? <laughs> okay. <laughs> How the GMs, GMs, no, no you, your note headline? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. It says, lo and behold, Chris was right. Well, okay, this is an obvious prediction. GM strike sent ripples across auto parts supply. We talked about you this. Think? This, is, this is a big deal. This, this is. When these guys decide that they need like an extra $3 a, uh, an hour and they're just going on strike and they're infecting so many more people's lives right. than just themselves. Um, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This goes on and on. Like there's 15 other companies that this guy put together that basically say they they've lost this this company lost 70 million dollars. This other company lost 35 million. This one lost wow. five million. This one lost six million. This other company it doesn't matter who these companies are. This this one's the automatic dimming rearview mirror maker. No um, kidding. So it's, it's stuff you don't even think about. They lost seven to eight million dollars in auto dimming rearview mirrors, apparently. <laughs> You know, so wow. it's the Canadian auto parts maker for, I don't know what they do, but they lost a million dollars in Canadian, Jeez. which is fake money. It's only 761000 <laughs> It's like so, Monopoly money, right? Have you looked at cars? For, do you go on Kijiji? Have you heard of Kijiji? No, what do is this? Do you know of Kijiji? No. It's K-I-J-I-J-I dot C-A. It's the Craigslist of Canada. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is a whole new world. Jake. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me I can drive a few hours north and get cheaper cars? Yeah, it's like 25% off. 30, well, whatever the exchange rate is. Oh, <laughs> He's going to Kijiji right now. Yes, I but am. hey, I just want to let everybody know, hey, this stuff sucks. It hurts people. You know, everybody's like, oh, thank God the UAW and the, they struck a deal. And all. yeah, well, they, these, there's like a billion dollars of loss that everybody took, which guess who that hurts? It hurts the employees. It hurts uh, the consumer. It hurts everybody. So let's what are you looking at? What would you find already? What is what is the province right above us? Uh, 
I don't know. Oh, man, that's really, really bad. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you don't know either. <laughs> it's Manitoba, I think. I don't think it's, that's right at all. <laughs> <laughs> Geography class with overcrest. <laughs> I'm going to look now. What do we got here? It is. I'm zooming. It's Manitoba. Yeah, Winnipeg's. Oh, no, it's Ontario. Manitoba's. <laughs> Manitoba's Ontario right, is seems, right there. Yeah, closer. Yeah. So yeah, I almost that's when I was looking for 190Es. There was there was a 16 valve 190Es for like $7,000 R dollars. Oh, I'm man. like, "Oh my god. I know what I'm doing for the rest of the weekend." Plus a lot of the cars that are up there are that are older are Euro spec because they oh, had, they, they were imported different, different. Yeah. You know what? Did you see that I adjusted we're screw the news did you, did you see that i adjusted my my I did what were those weird contraptions you had so have you ever looked at any older car that's an american car that has like seal beam headlights right. or anything like yeah, that yeah you ever wonder what those little glass nipples on there are there's always those oh, little yeah. glass things i thought that was just from the mold it's right not it's for the headlight aiming devices the headlight aiming devices. So, so it is a suction cup with a bracket that suction cups to the headlight. Okay. And then there's then there's it, there's always three of those little nipples. Yeah. And this thing sits and mounts on those little nipples that stick out of the headlight. And then there's adjustments for floor level, left, right. There's a prism that you look into that goes to the other headlight. And there's like these little lines that as you move the headlight, they go back and forth. So this isn't just some like gadget. This was actually how you were supposed to aim your headlights. You were, well, this is how you would be a shop that wants to make money you would say hey i've got this aiming device would you like to me to pay me so would the dealer have this item the as dealers, well i talked to my buddy chad who runs south center imports here in minneapolis mm -hmm. and he's like we used to have these at the dealer and every car that came in on trade i would have to do these so what he ended up doing is he he got smart right and they they would have different ones so someone it. would bring in a passat and he would just go grab the one that was already set up for a passat and bring it over there set it on and then sure adjust it. rather than so he didn't it. have to do it every single yeah, time that makes and sense. then pretty soon he went this is stupid and then he went and put marks on the ground outside and put marks on the stupid garage door right which is how everybody yeah has been taught by their fathers to, to yeah you just go headlights. to something where it's level and it is the most mousetrap thing you've ever seen <laughs> in your life there's there's three different knobs there's a bubble I didn't level realize, there's though, like mirrors. you said the little like knobs that's what on those the are headlights. for i always thought that was something that they're like when they uh, did the glass that they right. snipped it off right there or something some like, sort of molding yeah, yeah exactly. but no that's that's totally wrong so on this kiji.ca now am i looking at canada prices yeah that's canadian dollar prices you just drop that all by 30 percent or 25 percent i'm liking this the prices are good right now yeah. we just ruined it kijiji is now known to everyone <laughs> that listens to the podcast everybody go on kijiji and send us the stuff that you think is cool i'd, yeah. love, to, I'd love to hear what it. should i buy oh there's a ferrari 308 how much is it it's 70 grand and this is right up in thunder bay this is like four hours away from it's us only 50 grand then 55 probably uh yeah probably closer to 45 yeah there you go 308 do it nice it's way cooler than that toyota with a snowplow that you sent me before we got here <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, i i want to take one break and remind okay. everybody to head over to patreon.com slash overcrest we've got more patreons that came in last week i've got two more prints that i'm sending out to people awesome it's been the support is great if you want we to support really the show it. get the exclusive content head over to patreon.com slash overcrest and while you're at it there's thousands of you listening go to itunes leave us a five-star review it would really help us out it'll take you five seconds and uh you'll let get us know what you think i love reading here's these here's what i'll do if you leave a five-star review you can show it to me on your phone and i will give you a hug next time i see you <laughs> That is a terrible incentive. I don't know. I'm a pretty good hugger. It's, it's, it's good. 
All right. All right. Moving right along. Let's uh, let's skip this. This well, this is kind of interesting. So um, I'm gonna kind of narrow it down a little bit since yeah. we ended up talking about a bunch of other crap. So all electric, you know, DTM, right? Do- yeah, the Deutsche Touring, Deutsche Touring Motor something sports and yeah so the, the itr which is the international touring car association has unveiled its spectacular conceptual vision of how touring car racing could evolve using electric vehicles powered by battery or hydrogen fuel cells this is a courageous and innovative concept they said you have to look far ahead if you want to shape the future of motorsports and offer racing with alternative drive systems that inspires the fans it's obvious that manufacturers who want to become involved in motorsport are increasingly focusing on alternative drive concepts Yes. Okay. I don't I don't think that's a courageous approach. I think that's the <laughs> if we don't do this, we're screwed approach. Um the only reason why I want to talk about this is uh just this there's gonna be a contrast with another news article that we're talking about. Okay. Um pit stops would also be revolutionary. Large industrial robots would not only replace all four wheels, they would also so, re- <laughs> they would also remove and replace the battery pack or hydrogen tank located in the car's underbody. Talked about this word for word with Joel Fetter a few weeks ago. But did we talk about large industrial robots doing yes, the pit stops? We did because Joel's like, yeah, it would probably be all robots and we could do that. And I was like, no, the drama of motorsport, much of it is the pit stops. That's, right, that's, that's right. why they have camera crews at every single pit stop. Do we need- so you can see this in the people who accidentally like grabbed the wrong well, tire the people and you laugh at them. You're going to see now, you're going to see the guys doing the pit stops for the robots doing the pit stop. They're going to need battery changes. So you're going to have the, the robots are going to be out there and they're going to be that is bringing the stupidest out like- thing. <laughs> That's so meta, as the kids would say, Chris. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, ITR and DTM have, have identified two of the most critical components of racing, speed and power. Even as people grow more interested in cars that are better for the environment, they still want something that's going to go fast and be a technological powerhouse. I like the, I like the sentiment. Sure. I like the sentiment. Um, that really is the challenge, making it exciting. And pushing the envelope is always exciting. We're going to have to get over the noise thing. You're just going to have to get over it. Everybody listening. How about we run skinnier tires on them? I want to hear tire screeching if I can't hear exhaust. Yeah, but wouldn't see, that be sweet? You're Run never everything ever... on a little like 130 bias ply thing. 130? Yeah. Get out of here, man. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. They're gonna they're gonna have to see improvement. They're never gonna go backwards with the way that cars perform. I know. They're always gonna need to go faster. They're gonna need to handle better, brake better. There's always progress because progress needs to be shown to shareholders and to be able to use that stuff to put into the street cars. And if you're going backwards, nobody's putting 135 ply supply tires on whatever it is Hold they're on. selling at the. I agree with you, but you cannot argue that watching a Formula One race where the only thing that's changed is the tires are teeny. That would be amazing. Yeah, but we'll be drifting around I'm corners. Not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying it's not going to happen. No, but wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah. Limit I, d- screw limiting like power. There limit are tire okay, size. Here's the deal. There are other race series out there that have just smaller, normal streetcar size tires. Nobody watches it. Yeah. You know, there's guys out there with their GTIs and their Audi TTs and their Mazda threes and no, everything else. I want the racing door to door power, ridiculous, no holds barred. But your only limit is tire size. So you basically want Running Man with cars. I don't get that. You don't. You've never seen Running Man. I don't think so. It's basically it's a to, you basically uh, you want a twisted metal. That's what you want. Twisted metal. Oh my god! Literally? Who are you from PlayStation? The twisted metal. Oh yeah, game. see, I'm not a gamer guy. So it's basically you have a bunch of cars in an arena just drifting around doing everything, trying to kill each other. Because well, that's all it's going to be. That's a demolition derby. True, <laughs> true. I like my pop culture references better. Okay, um, let's skip this Ford stuff. What? The, yeah. The, what? 
Uh, do you, you want to talk about it? Well, let me just say uh, Ford revealed an electric Mustang at SEMA. And if you're following SEMA at all, you saw they call it Project Lithium Mustang. It's just a concept car. It's a thousand a, horsepower. A thousand horsepower, 900. It, yeah, what's interesting, it runs 800 volts, which is supposedly twice the amount of like normal electric cars on the road today. But what's really interesting is they still put a six-speed manual transmission in it. Why? Which... I don't know. I read somewhere that it certainly could have just be left in third gear and drive it normally. But I kind of like the fact they did this. But I'm curious, does it have a clutch then? Like, can you clutch drop an electric? I imagine you don't need to slip the clutch to start it because the engine just is stopped and then starts. Is it manual transmission in an electric car serves no purpose whatsoever. Other, th- other than calling it yeah, a manual. The, the emotional part of it. The, yeah. the, the bad news about Ford is what? So we mentioned this before that they were having a Mustang quote inspired SUV. It's here. And they just released it. It's well, ugly. we have camouflage pictures of it. It is so sad, Chris. It's, it's very sad. Everybody so should look it up just so they a, can feel it's bad. It's a small crossover, four door, sloping rear roof line. Zero visual similarity to the Mustang whatsoever, other than like a very faint side scallop line, you know, and then the triple headlights. I don't know what to say. It's really stupid. It's, it's awful. Why they use the Mustang name, I have no idea. Well, it's. The Mustang's going to die as a car, so they're trying to have that. No, they just showed the Mustang's just going to be an electric coupe. Yeah. So Lyft says if you are Lyft, the rideshare company. Yeah, exactly. They says if you sell your car, they will give you rideshare vouchers. Okay. Lyft on Thursday said it was rolling out an offer to use to users in Los Angeles to sell their cars in exchange for credit on the ride hailing platform. Those who sell their vehicle through Carvana, an online used car re- retailer, would receive $250 in Lyft credit and three months of free membership in Lyft subscription service, Pink. I'm not... What's pink? I don't know. $20 a month provides a 15% discount. Basically... Pink, so, I'm sure, is their subscription service where you don't pay per ride. Have you known, do you know that since Lyft and Uber and all that stuff, traffic has actually gone oh, up because of yes. this? So I, I just talked about this. I shared a presentation with you, didn't I? That I was just at this conference you didn't for share design. It with me, but tell me. Yeah, so I could pull it up here. But basically, uh, Lyft and Uber has made traffic worse and has made people's commutes worse. It's just the fact that all even um, what Waze. So there's all these studies that have been done. If there's a traffic jam, now Waze will tell you because it's based on the individual, not the whole of a traffic system. That oh well, if there's a traffic jam, it's going to send everyone over to this alternative route. And guess what? Now there's two traffic jams instead of one. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, not all great. We have way too much news here. For <laughs> I'm uh, noticing that. So let's, uh, let's talk about BMW here. Uh, okay. So this is, alludes a little bit to what I was talking about earlier. Now, buyers of the new BMW models will be able to add more functions to their vehicles after they purchase it via the company's updated connected yeah. drive store. So you're just BMW owners updates. will be able to activate functions such as high beam assistant, the active cruise control, driver assistance system with stop and go, and the BMW drive recorder with the German brand to add more functions over time. Wait, so it makes sense because if you have a central ECU, it's just, yeah, you got all these systems plugged so you're into gonna, it. You're okay with having a high beam assistant subscription? You think it's going to be subscription service based? I don't know. No, I have you're no just idea. Buy that feature for three grand, and you don't ever have to use the high beams. It now they'll do it for you. It seems shyster to me. It doesn't. I seem, agree. It doesn't seem. But how is this any different than now what we're used to on your Apple TV, right? So, oh, hundred percent. You know this what I mean? What everybody's used to for sure. Right. I just don't like it. No. Um, they say we want to offer our customers different dimensions of sheer driving pleasure. 
different dimensions. <laughs> okay. How is having a uh, high beam assistant a different sheer driving pleasure? <laughs> Good point. Oh, come on, man. This is stupid. What all are right. you doing? So it, let's move on. All right. So Speaking the all new Tesla Roadster is here. Okay, that's right. The one that's going to do 0 to 16 in 1.9 and have rockets. All right, so Tesla unveiled their all-new Roadster in 2017, and it's finally ready for launch. I don't believe However, it. fans will likely dis- be disappointed as the car is arriving as a 118th scale model. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to kind of remind everybody, the, we, there's no, where's this, what happened to this thing? Where is it? Yeah. Where is the the, the, the Tesla Roadster? Um, yeah, that we, we had that big keynote speech. Beach and don't forget Tesla CEO Elon Musk boasted the Roadster will be the fastest production car ever, ever made, and that is going to be a proper weapon someday. Weapon, and that just to touch, they're going to be releasing their truck on the 21st in Los Angeles. So that's coming out the 21st. Do you know why they're doing it on the 21st in Los it's Angeles? The, the Blade Runner. It's the opening scene of Blade Runner. Yay! Just yeah, silly. Right. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of Lyft, Uber also isn't great. So Uber is irresponsible and has crashed a ton. An Uber self-driving test vehicle that struck and killed an Arizona woman in 2018. So this is, a, this is the, the, the Volvo that ran into the lady on the bike and killed exactly. her. Exactly. And they have the because footage the woman, of it. The woman was watching The Voice. <laughs> I was just going to get to that. So yeah. So the point of basically the point of this story is prior to the, prior to that happening, yeah. there were 37 crashes in the prior 18 months. 37. How there needs to be some sort of accountability here. Well, and as Steve Wozniak said when we talked about it last week, this is so far out. It's just the fact that the marketing has gone so much ahead of what is actually technologically possible. All right. So Formula E is going backwards. Like reverse? Not well. Like they're gonna put it in reverse. <laughs> hey, remember when Formula E used to have pit stop and completely change cars? Do you remember that? So basically oh, what they right. would have to do yeah, is they yeah. come instead in, of changing batteries or anything or they just, fueling like, up. That was their generation just, one stuff. Yeah. Change. So cars. now generation two, they, they can make the whole race. Okay. But it's boring because there's no real, there's no pit stop. There's nothing then. interesting going on in the pit stop. Um, new formula E CEO, Jamie Re- Regil says the electric championship could reintroduce, reintroduce pit stops along with potential fast charging focus for its general generation three car. An idea he calls the big one. <laughs> Okay. For Gen 3, as we think about why might a consumer not adopt an electric vehicle, there's a perception perhaps around charging availability and how quickly can I get my car charged. Absolutely. So that's a theme that the folks are who are much smarter than I am are working on the viability of. What Where that gets really interesting is, is then it potentially feeds back into the racing product, which is to say, okay, well, if you can change the speed with you charge the cars, perhaps you can reintroduce a pit stop. Awesome. That's just what I want motorsport to be propaganda for the EV industry. <laughs> this is the opposite of what DTM is doing. Oh my goodness, you're right. Because you're going to now have the Tesla branded superchargers at your pit stop. And then you ever the team it's has awful. the other, you know, charging system. This is race on Sunday, sell on Monday for what where, yeah, it where is. cars are going. It's just we but don't just, like what they're well, selling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just everything around electric cars still seems like kind of a gimmick. Like it seems like it's kind of like a guy, you know, with a briefcase. He opens it up. He's like, hey, I can charge your car. And half the times the other guy can charge his car. And everything's it's like. Because all of this is just still new and basically coming to market for the first time. Yeah. I think that's why. All right. Well, we do have Buster Conrad calling in. Conrad, Chris. Conrad. Buster Conrad is calling in. Do we need to do any Star Wars? To- 
I'm not going to make everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to no. make everybody. Listen However, to Buster did go on location to talk did. to Portia about all of this. All right. Let's hear from Buster. Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm in Weissach, Germany at Porsche's R&D facility to get the story on the Porsche and Lucasfilm spaceship collaboration. The lead engineer on this project, Werner Mondmann, has very generously offered an overcrust exclusive peek behind the curtain to where no man has gone before. That is the wrong movie. This is Star Wars. But thank you for the opportunity to spread the word on the hard work we have been doing here at Porsche, Herr Conrad. You're welcome, Werner, and Donka, for your time today. We've all seen the sketches on the internet for the Porsche-inspired Star Wars spaceship, and I have to ask the big question right away. Is this going to be an Imperial or a Rebel ship? Well, in my opinion, it would have been much more exciting to work on an Imperial craft. We want our product to be represented in the Star Wars movie as a hero vehicle. Our craft will be piloted by a Rebel. We are not allowed to give any more details about the movie, but I can tell you that the production spacecraft will be called the Porsche Parsec. Wait, uh, excuse me, Werner. Did you say production spacecraft? Yeah, production spacecraft. What did you think all this fuss was for? A movie prop? Nine. Wow, gentlemen. I think we may have a big exclusive on our hands. Werner, can you tell us more about the Parsec project and why Porsche is branching out into space travel? The start of this project has much to do with Elon Musk and his testicle-swinging insistence on competing with Porsche. We walked further with our first step out the door than Tesla on his entire journey when we released the Taycan. Herr Musk has fired warning shots with this plaid edition Model S at the Nuremberg Ring and responsibly have decided that if he wants to go VAR, we will go VAR with him and win. But why stop when we beat Tesla with the Taycan? We want to beat Herr Musk and his SpaceX project in the skies as well. The roots of modern rockets and space travel are in Germany and have a significant head start. Only will our Parsec craft be better in every measurable specification compared to SpaceX. It will look and feel better too. After experiencing a Tesla Model S, I would not want to trust airlock door on the SpaceX capsule with my life. On the Parsec, expect Porsche quality with name brand influence of Lucasfilm and Star Wars for style. None of this Walmart and DVD bin knockoff Spaceballs plaid mode bullin' scheisse. This is unbelievably amazing, Werner. What's the marketing plan on the Parsec? How will one of your customers pull a Captain Kirk and take a Porsche into the final frontier? Uh, wrong movie again. But anyways, this is the genius part of the whole plan. We will relaunch our auto-sharing Porsche Passport program worldwide in 2022 as the Passport and Parsac program. We plan to build 12 Parsecs, and this will allow our premium members on trip to our outer space with every annual renewal of each plan. This will finally make the $3,000 a month for the program seem worth it to our customers, and for an extra $5,000, we will let you push the levers that engage hyperdrive. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Werner. Where do I sign up? Gentlemen, I need to talk to you about a raise. Back to you in the studio. Alles, was du kannst, das kann ich viel besser. Ja, ich kann alles viel besser als du. Kannst du nicht. Kann ich doch. Kannst du nicht. Kann ich doch. Kannst du nicht. Kann ich doch, doch ich kann. Überall, wo du auch bist, bin ich eher, ferner und näher, viel eher als du. Bist du nicht. Bin ich 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 nicht. Bin ich
ich doch. Bist du nicht? Bin ich doch. Bist du nicht? Bin ich doch, doch ich bin's. Ich treffe jede Krähe in der höchsten Höhe. Ich kann's ungelogen, auch mit Pfeil und Bogen. Ich komm durch mit Brot und Käse. Sonst nichts im Bauch? Ja. Raten tun's auch. <lacht> well, thank you, Buster. I, uh, I can't wait to hear more about Porsche's spaceship. <lacht> <lacht> You know, every time I read a, an article about somebody doing something dumb in their car and getting arrested, I just imagine it being Buster. <laughs> um, so you wouldn't understand. It's a Jeep thing. Uh, 23-year-old Battle Creek man. This I just imagined this was Buster when I read that. That's what made me think of it. Oh, okay. So this is another news story. Yeah. A 23-year-old <laughs> okay. Battle Creek man was addressed. Was Is he from Battle Creek? Buster Conrad? <laughs> I don't know. Um, they said they, they found this man driving his vehicle on the grass at Irving Park at 311 North Avenue. Officers said they were patrolling at 2.52 a.m. Sunday and saw a Jeep spinning in circles on the park grounds. As you do. The man was stopped and told the police that he had made about eight passes through the park. He said he was trying to impress his 23-year-old female <laughs> passengers. The man did $300 in damages. He was taken to the Calhoun County Jail on a charge of malicious destruction of property. Honestly, those cops were being total cockblocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think he was getting anywhere with that. He asked her to go topless, and she said, get the Jeep topless first. Wait, really? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I really <laughs> wish that was a quote, Chris. Oh, come on. Like somebody's been messing with my news stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Toyota have you ever heard of the Toyota STI no because it's not a thing rumor has it that Subaru after Toyota's shares in the company increased from 16 to 20 percent could possibly be teaming up with Toyota for the newest iteration of the WRX STI so what does that mean for us it means Toyota needs to get on their game and make their own crap. I'm sick of this Toyota <laughs> Supra, to Toyota STI, whatever, blah, yeah, blah, blah. True. Um, yeah, because the FT86 and the BRZ are, uh, yeah, same thing. Possibly even more interesting is the fact that the duo would be abandoning the WRX's four-door body style to get back to the model's first-gen route. Yes! If all goes well, the new WRX XTI will make its debut around 2021 or 2022 with new technology. Aside from this, a scoop team survey has shown that there is a high possibility that a one-size compact super all-wheel drive machine equivalent to the previous impressive STI will be produced jointly with Toyota. Right. So, so just like the FT86 and BRC that I mentioned. Yeah, basically. It's like why? It's dumb. Can they just we know that Toyota can make motors because we just talked about their BMP or whatever is their their mean pressure that they have in their cylinders is like wildly out of control. Right. Not Why only don't they that, just make their own car? guess who Lotus uses for all of their engines still? Every Toyota. single manufacturer right now is so they they're like cornered dogs, right? They they don't know what to do. The market is like nobody knows what's going to go on. All this stuff is shifting over to electric. Should we just like Mazda last week when we were talking about we want to make this stuff, but we don't know if we should make this stuff. Can we make yeah. this stuff? So like, oh my god, well we want to make something cool. Uh, uh, STIs are cool. They're right down the street. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> let's just go over there and see what they're up to, and maybe bring. So, uh, what have we got for time here? We got we got some decent amount of time. So Porsche has designed its most expensive motoring project yet. Okay. The new machine has two 2,300 horsepower engines, and it can reach a maximum speed of 35 knots. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the price is currently displayed as price upon application. Which is if the old you, adage, if, if you, you have, have to, to ask, ask, you can't afford that's it. That's right. The exterior was this. So I'm only talking about this because of the Porsche stuff with Buster. Mm -hmm. Just to give you perspective that Porsche does things 
outside a little bit differently. Of, yeah, well. But then we're going to get into somebody else that's jumping on the bandwagon. The exterior was to represent speed and dynamics in a new and different way. Porsche Design Studio lead, uh, boy, I uh, can't pronounce that guy's name. The two holes <laughs> create a completely different stance impression. So it's a, cater, uh, it's a catamaran. Okay. Do, so just click boat, on the link and look at it. This boat has stance, is has, what you're telling me. The two holes create a completely different stance wait, impression. Wait, hold on. Is that, almost, is resembling, <laughs> almost resembling the track of a sports car. Mm, is a stanced boat one that's just sunk? <laughs> <laughs> is there guys out there like, yeah, yeah. man. Because you guys got, like, uh, I follow a couple of people on Instagram where their cars are just destroyed, right? It's, right. it's basically their entire car is a wear item. <laughs> <laughs> the sports car inspired exterior is paired with the interior digs ripped straight out of a five-star hotel a swanky sun deck is where one can find a jacuzzi and a bar and all the people that you paid to love you on your boat <laughs> it has enough room to accommodate up to 10 guests and lots of cake for you to eat uh 135 feet stem to stern cool yeah so uh ferrari is doing okay and this is in the same oh, are they ferrari's doing okay strong sales of ferrari's portofino and 812 super fast models enabled the italian luxury car maker to raise its outlook on Monday, with a new okay. brand strategy promising more growth. Okay. Do you want to know what the strategy is? <laughs> no. Do you what no, do you think that their next what do you think their next uh, move is? Oh uh, well, so the joke is there's more people walking around in Ferrari like caps and jackets than there are Ferrari owners. Well, that that's true for Corvettes too, I imagine too, with all the Corvette Maybe. jackets and so tell me what now is Ferrari selling in their gift shop? The Cavallino Rapante or Prancing Horse launched a plan to enhance its brand through new apparel and accessory collections, entertainment offers, and luxury products and services for clients. They include an agreement with Italian fashion house Giorgio Armani and the opening of a restaurant with star chef Massimo Bottura in the group's hometown of Marinello in northern Italy. Ferrari expects a new brand initiative to represent around 10% of the group's profitability. Is our intention to increase the size of the cake and our share of the cake? <laughs> he told and This is a bunch Wait, of cake eaters. Yeah, I, I get mean, your reference. On, they don't even understand. Um, Ferrari is known for its <laughs> racing pedigree and roaring. That's not a misquote. It is our intention to increase the size of the cake. He and said our that? share of the cake. I thought you were making a joke. No, he told analysts in an earnings call. So, he, okay, he's talking about like a pie chart. So you can either increase your part of the pie <laughs> yeah, chart maybe or you can make the pie chart bigger. Maybe it was some sort of misspeak. Yeah. Cake. Yeah, anytime like you get it. into people that own Ferraris, you got to talk about their cake. <laughs> um, we're taking our time to ensure that it will be a true Ferrari DNA car. He's talking about the new electric model that will be hitting the road around 2023. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, so... Yep, that's, I think, is that all our news for... I think we should wrap it up right about there. So what do we have going on this next week, Chris? Next week, we have Road and Tracks' Sam Smith coming An on. Awesome automotive journalist. Amazing storyteller. Yes. It's an amazing storyteller. And you think of the term journalist, he is a true journalist. Journalist gets kind of mixed up, because if you think of the term journalism, it's keeping a journal. You know, that's like the hmm. root term of it. And interesting he, when you're out on when you're out on adventures and you're out doing things, then you write about it. You really are a true journalist. So I'm really excited to have Sam Smith come on and talk about some of his his journeys and his work as a journalist, as it would be. And uh, yeah, that's on. So join us for that Friday, Friday. All right, guys, we will see you later. Um, that's it. We're Take done. Care. Goodbye. Yeah.